Yes, it's uh, Ezekiel 34, verses 17 to 31. As for you, my flock, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I will judge between one sheep and another, and between rams and goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture? Must you also trample the rest of your pasture with your feet? Is it not enough for you to drink clear water? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? Must my flock feed on what you've trampled and drink what you've muddied with your feet? Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says to them. See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you shove with flank and shoulder, butting all the weak sheep with your horns until you've driven them away, I will save my flock and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. The Lord will be their God, and my servant David will be the prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will make a covenant of peace with them and rid the land of savage beasts so that they may live in the wilderness and sleep in the forests in safety. I will make them and the places surrounding my hill a blessing. I will send down showers in season. There will be showers of blessing. The trees will yield their fruit and the ground will yield its crops. The people will be secure in their land. They will know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and rescue them from the hands of those who enslave them. They will no longer be plundered by the nations, nor will wild animals devour them. They will live in safety, and no one will make them afraid. I will provide for them a land renowned for its crops, and they will no longer be victims of famine in the land, or bear the scorn of the nations. Then they will know that I, the Lord their God, am with them and that they, the Israelites, are my people, declares the Sovereign Lord. You are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture. I am your God, declares the Sovereign Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. It is a real privilege to be back here with you all. And a real blessing that John and I were able to travel, especially with everything going on at the moment. I don't know about all of you, but I'm certainly grateful for this slightly quieter, more reflective service in the lead up to Christmas. Christmas is a wonderful time of year, but let's face it, it's also a stressful time of year. There are the gatherings to prepare for, the gifts to buy and wrap, the food to cook, And that's without the added uncertainty of potential restrictions, different comfort levels, fears that people have about their health, the health of their family. This year, Christmas for us has looked a little bit different. 
Because of the restrictions, we've decided not to stay in the UK for Christmas Day itself. So I've actually already celebrated Christmas in a way with my family. So I keep asking people how their Christmas has been and getting some slightly strange looks. We've also had the challenge of trying to get the right amount of suitcase space. We brought some gifts with us from Singapore, and we're trying not to accumulate more gifts than we brought so that we can fit everything with us on the way back. But as I say, it's a lovely problem to have, to have been able to come back and see family. At Christmas, we often think about shepherds and sheep, like that beautiful reflection that Liz read to us earlier. And I also want to place us in the role of the sheep this year. And one of the things that got me thinking about this was um, a piece of music I had the privilege of listening to last week. I had the privilege of listening to John perform in Handel's Messiah by a quick show of hands who has either heard of or seen Handel's Messiah. Yep, quite a lot of us. Fantastic piece of music. Amazing for Christmas. Perhaps the best known bit is the Hallelujah Chorus, which is just a wonderful, rousing choral piece. But my actual favorite piece of Handel's Messiah is a slightly less well-known bit. It's a line where the choir sings, We like sheep have gone astray. We like sheep have gone astray. Now, the reason that's my favorite part of Handel's Messiah is because there's a considerable pause between when the choir sings, We like sheep, and when they sing, have gone astray. So if you're listening to the piece of music for the first time, as I was last year, it just sounds like the choir is singing, we like sheep, which I think is a, a good Christmas message. But what Handel was actually trying to say in that song, I think is really important, and that's where I want to look today. So based on that passage, I want to look at two points. I want to look at the fact that we're quite similar to sheep in many ways. So firstly, I'll look at the fact that we, like sheep, have gone astray. And then secondly, I want to look at the fact that we, like sheep, need a good shepherd. Let me pray first. Father, thank you for all of us gathered here this morning. Thank you for your goodness to us. Just pray that you would speak to us now, guide my words, speak to our hearts, Lord. And would you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me start by setting this passage in some context. It's, it's perhaps a slightly unusual Advent passage. Perhaps some of you are familiar with it. Some of you, this may be the first time hearing it. It's one of the many Old Testament passages written a long time before Jesus' birth that point to the coming of a savior for God's people. The book of Ezekiel, where our passage is taken from, is written while the Israelites are in exile in Babylon. And throughout Ezekiel, we see two interwoven themes. We see the theme of judgment, and we see the theme of hope. Now, chapter 34, which we read today, is the turning point where we turn from judgment and we turn towards hope. So wherever you are today, however you're feeling about the year gone and the Christmas to come, whether you do or don't like sheep, I hope that today we'll be able to turn from judgment to hope. So let me first talk to us about the fact that we, like sheep, have gone astray. As I mentioned, 
Judgment is this key theme. It's quite challenging that comes out through the book of Ezekiel. And specifically, Ezekiel is making two accusations against God's people. The first is injustice. He's saying that the people of God have neglected the poor and the needy. And secondly, Ezekiel is accusing the people of idolatry, of worshipping the Babylonian gods and conforming to the world around them. And we see both of these accusations coming out in the passage we heard today. So first, the injustice. The imagery that we just heard is quite striking. Verse 18 talks about the sheep trampling the rest of the pasture, muddying the water with their feet. It implies there's this lack of gratitude, that they're being irresponsible in their stewardship. They're being reckless with the abundance that God has given them. And this is true both before the exile, but also during the exile. Verse 19 tells us that they're depriving others. It talks about the fat sheep depriving the lean sheep. And 21 talks about them ill-treating the weak and the vulnerable. We can imagine some of the things that they might have done during the exile. You can picture the Israelites. They're in a foreign place. They're desperate to ensure their own comfort and security. You can imagine there's this limited food supply, and they're fighting. They're jostling with each other, making sure they get to the food, pushing others out of the way to get to the precious rations. And perhaps that picture isn't far from our experiences, if you think back to the beginning of the pandemic and some of the panic buying that we saw across the world. But what might be some of the other ways that we see injustice like this in our modern day? Well, perhaps for many of us, there's a temptation to think about our own material needs before we think about the material needs of others. I know for myself, it's so easy to walk past somebody on the streets who might be homeless because I'm busy or I'm afraid. And I think, well, actually, my life's a bit more important, really. Or maybe there's a sense like the Israelites that we take for granted the material blessings we've been given. Do we sometimes forget to thank God for our house, our car, the food that we have to eat? And reading this passage as well, I was convicted about our treatment of the environment, which has become an increasingly um, popular topic in the news. Do we ever think about the impact that our decisions might make on other people in the world, particularly those, those communities that are most vulnerable? Do we think about how our choices, our consumption, our behavior might end up muddying the waters or trampling the pasture for other people trying to consume the same limited resources. I know a lot of us in this church are really conscientious about recycling and reducing our use of carrier bags, which is amazing. But I wonder also whether we have a disconnect between those activities and our relationship with God. Do we think about those things as part of our lives of worship, as part of our service of God? And if not, maybe we can invite God into our recycling as odd as that might sound, why don't we pray next time we're putting out the recycling or choosing to avoid some plastic? I wanted to share um, one particular example um, where God has been challenging me over the last few years in the hope that that may resonate with some of you. So I think for me, on my journey with environmental stewardship, the hardest thing has been thinking about my, uh, my diet and my meat consumption. 
I love meat. Um, I'll just say that up front. When I was at university, um, by the time I finished my three years, at least 50% of my Christian friends had either gone fully vegetarian or had significantly reduced their meat consumption. Um, and for the whole of the time I was at university, I came up with excuse after excuse after fake dietary requirement after fake allergy to justify why I had to keep eating meat and couldn't possibly be vegetarian. I'm not saying we all have to go vegetarian. But I, I read this um, study recently that said in the UK, on average, we consume five times as much meat as is sustainable for the world. And I certainly feel that God's been convicting me that that choice I have of consuming lots of amazing meat might be muddying the water and trampling the pasture for other people in the world who are in a significantly less fortunate place than me. We may all be at different points in our journey with God about that. But what I'd encourage each of us to do, especially today as we have a quieter, reflective service, is to bring those things to God and honestly ask him if there are areas of injustice in our lives, in our communities, in our world, and see if there are things that he wants us to change or um, ways that he wants us to support those who are less fortunate than ourselves in order that we can be better stewards of the gifts he has given us. So, as I say, that was the accusation of injustice. I'll quickly look then at the accusation of idolatry. Now, in the book of Ezekiel, we see idolatry on two levels. So, on one very obvious level, um, the Israelites did, at various points, bow down to gold statues and worship these idols. Um, if you know the book of Daniel, one of the early stories in there is um, King Nebuchadnezzar setting up a gold statue to himself. So that's one level of the idolatry. The second level of the idolatry, perhaps it's slightly more f fundamental, is where the people of God were prioritizing things above God. These might be things like security, safety, comfort. And we can tell there are some signs that tell us these things might have been idols because they sought these things outside of God. They sought these things before God. They sought these things in place of God. Now, hopefully, most of us don't bow down to physical statues of gold, but that's not to say we're immune from idolatry. In fact, we might end up idolizing the very same things that the people of God in exile idolized, like security, comfort, safety. Especially at Christmas, a time where we're bombarded with advertising and told to buy more and have the perfect Christmas and buy all these wonderful things, maybe that can replace God. Maybe we seek the perfect Christmas before we seek the baby in the manger. I just want to ask us all a couple of questions now that can help us detect signs of idolatry in our lives. Are there things in our lives that we wouldn't let God take away from us? Like your house, your job, your bank balance? Is there anything that's, that's just off limits? No, Lord, you can't, you can't touch that. What is the source of our peace or lack of peace at night? When we're in trouble or distress, where's the first place we run? Is it Netflix? Is it work? Is it friends? Is it God? And are there things in our lives that we love more than Jesus? 
If I'm really honest, my answers to those questions are certainly less than ideal. So I hope today will partly be an opportunity for us to reflect on some of those things and bring them to God. We, like sheep, have gone astray. On to my, my second and final point. Although we, like sheep, have gone astray, we, like sheep, need and have a good shepherd. As I've been saying, Ezekiel is about turning from judgment towards hope. This passage was written to a group of people who were weary. They've been discouraged, oppressed, they've sinned. Maybe we relate to that. Maybe there are some parallels between the Israelite exile and the difficulties we've all faced over the last two years. And to those weary people and to us weary people, this passage speaks of hope. That hope, we're told, is found in a person. Verse 23, God promises to send a new David. Now to the audience, David would have been symbolic of two things, a king and a shepherd. God is saying that he is going to put a new king and a new shepherd over his people. And this is fulfilled in Jesus. That hope, that message of hope to a weary people is found completely and only in Jesus Christ, whose birth we're remembering and whose second coming we're anticipating this Advent and this Christmas. Jesus says in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I don't know about you, but I used to take offense when Jesus kept comparing us to sheep. But the more I reflect on my own heart and my own um, tendency to wander off, I realize it's actually probably quite an accurate metaphor. And there are two very significant consequences of Jesus being our good shepherd. The first and most important is that exactly as it says in John 10, he lays down his life for his sheep. He takes away that judgment. In the course of our lives, we will never perfectly deal with injustice or idolatry. It doesn't mean we shouldn't try with all our heart, but we know that Jesus is counted as perfect, and so we're counted as perfect because he has given us his perfection. He takes away that judgment. Our good shepherd saves us. And then, secondly, as a consequence of Jesus being our good shepherd, he provides us with everything we could possibly need and everything we're looking for. And the second half of our passage today has this beautiful list. Let me just read out a few things from it. Verse 25 talks about a covenant of peace. How many of us crave peace? Verse 25 also talks about safety. 26 talks about showers of blessing. 27 talks about security, and freedom from slavery. And I love that in verse 30 as well, it talks about his presence with us and our identity as the sheep of his flock. How amazing. So whatever it is today that you might think you're lacking, whatever it is you're searching for, it can all be found in Jesus and in Jesus alone. And if we look for any of those things that I've just listed anywhere else, we're not going to find them. But if we look for them in Jesus, we'll not only find them, but we'll find them in abundance. 
So especially this Christmas, with all the busyness and the chaos, whatever you need, bring that to Jesus and let him fulfill it for you. We, like sheep, need a good shepherd. So just to close, this Christmas, let's heed that warning that we've heard. Let's be on our guard against injustice and idolatry. And today, let's ask God to reveal where there might be areas of that in our lives, where we might slip into those things. And then secondly, let's be filled by Jesus. Let's bring our needs to him, knowing that he is the good shepherd who meets our needs in abundance. So to repeat what I said earlier, wherever you are today, however you're feeling about the year gone or the Christmas to come, whether you do or don't like sheep, Today, let's come to Jesus and find our hope in him. Amen.